For show notes and other podcasts, please visit us online at www.thepublicbroadcast.com. You're listening to The Photography Show. This is episode number 10 for October 15th, 2010. You gotta know how to hang the triangles. So, every, the people who listen to this may um, may have you know noticed that we didn't have a show last week. And yeah, now they've canceled their subscription <laughs> or left us dirty comments. One or the other. <laughs> is there going to be another show? Well, this podcast is fairly young, and we we have tef- technical difficulties from time to time. Yeah, who knew that this it would that it would be kind of more difficult to get the audio show going than your video show. Yeah, really. No kidding. But it really has we have had more problems with recording and Skype and sound and Yes. And we've just had two shows that just uh stopped recording for some reason. And so this is the second show that's gonna be kind of a deja vu show for us, but for everyone else it will be brand new. Well originally I thought, you know, they could they could have the first twelve minutes of the last podcast. That would have been a nice little like trailer. <laughs> complete cliffhanger at the end you know (laughs) what you know but uh yeah hopefully our problems are resolved and we are now uh recording a backup so So you should get a show every week now for sure yeah you'll have two shows a backup and a right now uh the backup um is just a digital tape recorder but if the hard drive doesn't decides it doesn't want to take any more audio then uh at least we have a backup that's not as mixable but uh but we'll right work. so if you get a show that sounds like it was recorded on a on a tape recorder on you know what track. happened yeah exactly <laughs> <Eight track. laughs> those are the eight track episodes we're gonna offer the show an eight track now i think that would be kind of it, it's a it's an homage to the 70s is what yeah, it is. yeah we should do itunes the website and then like vinyl yeah that would work or yeah, uh, cassette tape. Cassette tape, yeah, yeah. Vinyl, it would be, it would be a fun. We could sell too. cassette tape for three dollars. <laughs> yeah, we have to sell those. There's parts involved. <laughs> we don't have to pay for bites. So, well, cool. Well, we started out last time um, trying to answer some um, questions and things that had been posted yes. on both Flickr and um, the different websites, iTunes, and things like that, and kind of just run through a few of the few of them real quick and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Let you know that we're. Um, we're listening to what you what you say, and we're trying to get you answers and stuff like that. And we hope to do more of that in the future. So um, more complete shows, or yeah, more, both more complete <laughs> both, shows. Both and shows answer, that re- get recorded, their and... questions, and get the people what they want. Oh, there's nothing more fun than when you get to the end of the hour and you realize nothing went down, you know? Yeah, I think you almost had like a mental breakdown that last time because you Dude. were having all kinds of troubles before getting it set up. We were stressed recording, or as we were started recording it, and then afterwards there was just dead silence for days and I knew something had gone terribly wrong. <laughs> well, the first thing that happened, you're like, did it record? I'm like, I don't see it. No, all right, I got I to gotta walk away. I'll come back later. It'll be there. Just I, I just know it now, and it wasn't. But uh, it said it was recording. Well, last time we couldn't see Skype in Soundtrack, so I had to switch to GarageBand, which is another turd mm-hmm. of an app. It's like the Fisher-Price multi-track recording app. You know, Right, and it, so it recorded 12 minutes and decided to shut off for whatever reason. It just decided it didn't want to record us. It didn't its, like us. That was its limit. It left a comment in iTunes. That was the weird part, you know? Yeah. Anybody uh, that deals with technology these days knows that um, this stuff happens a lot, whether you're dealing with audio or video or photography software or any kind of software. It just uh, sometimes doesn't do what you want it to do. But we do it every week, and we're getting better. We are. You know? 
it's it's almost there. But anyway, questions that uh, we've we've had. Uh, right. One I think was the show notes thing. Yeah, the the link to the to the website and the show notes. A lot of people were confused about that. That we mentioned the uh, the show notes every week, but they go straight to iTunes. They don't see any show notes. So uh, let's review again real quick yeah. where they can go for yeah, the show if notes. You're, if you're subscribing to the podcast using an aggregator like iTunes or something similar, you're you're not getting anything but the audio. We can't. Well, we could put. You can do uh, QuickTime um, interactive stuff, but the problem is, is that we'd rather push the show out as an MP3. That way, everybody can listen no matter what device you're on. But uh, if you, we do have a website for the show, and if you go to the website, you will see show notes for each episode where we right. keep them. So if you go to thepublicbroadcast.com, you'll see a link there to the show. And uh, Right. Can, the the, the full URL is thephotographyshow.thepublicbroadcast.com. Yeah, if you like to type. If you like to type a lot, or you can just do the shorter <laughs> version, and you'll, you'll find your way. Either All way, though, you'll get there. Pretty pictures. And show notes yes. with links you can click on to take you to books, um, documentaries, everything else that we that we mentioned. Yeah, stuff all the good online. stuff. Yeah. yeah, I mean we do stuff. We'll mention links during the show, but then also the picks of the week and stuff. You'll yeah, you'll picks have of the week too. There, so. so that's cool. That's good stuff. Um, the other one was you had mentioned Satellite, the program that you mm-hmm. had. Um, built yourself before, uh, and and how you could use this to build your own website, and ha- it, it's a it's a program that links to Flickr, so that when you put your photos on Flickr, it goes straight into the satellite program and into your website, but you have a much more professional looking uh, website, you know, that doesn't have all the stuff that, that Flickr has on it. It's much more personalized. So I thought I'd let you tell them. A yeah, little bit. yeah. Um, the cool thing. Well, satellite started a couple of years ago um, when I was doing a lot of web development, and I have friends that were illustrators and photographers who wanted to do portfolio sites. And the problem with that is, is that a lot of times they were people who just didn't have budgets, and I couldn't afford to keep making them over and over again. But uh, so I thought, you know, well, what could we do to kind of uh, automate some of this? And so um, Flickr, if you're not aware, has what they call an API, which is basically a program interface so you can access photos without you can access photos through the api without going to the website now you can't do it through a web browser or anything like that so what i did is built a series of php scripts um that essentially you can go download satellite and hook it up and uh it'll suck all your photos out of Flickr um and into your website so sometimes like you know having a Flickr page is very cool but you want to send people there and have it look a more professional uh for whatever reason you don't want to be distracted with millions of other users photos too so that that can um you know so basically it's a website and you use Flickr as the back end so you can think of it right. that way. So you can upload and do your groups. Or no, well, you can do groups. They don't show up in satellite. Uh, what I call it? Uh, well, they have um, – what do they call it? Not a pool. Uh, just a gallery that you build. I am blanking out today. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> Drugs. <laughs> well, it's this new setup. I'm making sure we're recording. Um, but no, you, you, you could build uh, – yeah, you basically you, when you build galleries on – or collections. Um, well, those are two <clears> different <throat> things. Uh, I guess they call them galleries. But anyway, that's uh, – that's going to be. It's just like Flickr without all the extra stuff. Yeah, it's Flickr without uh, any other people. And, right, it's uh, just real clean. Your own design it show, shows your photos, and, and the links are just real clean. And, and it can, you can it can be currently it can be all like a black and gray type setup, or all white and and, and light gray type setup. And um, you yeah, can in fact, if you do any HTML coding on your own, you can customize the things. So it's very very cool. Yeah, and how can they find that? Uh, if you go to the URL on that, 
what is the URL? It's design, D-E-S-I-G-N dot TedForbes.com. It's on my website. So we'll put it right. in the show notes as well. So, so if, if they're a web guy or gal or they know one, um, it can be set up very easily. Yeah, I had you help me set it up the first time, and then I did a, a graphic design site for myself also using the same program. Yeah, you set and that I had one a, up. Right. Well, I had a buddy that was a web guy that I just called real quick, and we kind of did a little trade, and, and he set it up for me in no time and said, wow, that was, that was a cool program. I'm gonna, yeah, the I'm setup gonna on it is extremely easy. All you have to do, you download a zip file and, and uh, unzip it, and then there's some files, and there's a preferences file. There's a little readme that has directions. Uh, you do have to have a Flickr API key, and uh, it tells you how to get that, and then you have to have your username. Um, but then if you can basically put those two variables in and then upload files via FTP to your own server, you can, you can handle it. So. Yeah, so that's that's a great way to get a good-looking site. I had that site for my first few years of of doing this whole thing, and it, 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 it's been great. I just recently upgraded to live books, but up until then, it's it, it suited everything that I needed to, to run even my business. So, mm-hmm. um, so it was awesome, and it was just pretty much next to, to free besides having to purchase you know uh, where you're going to host it and the URL name and, and that kind of thing. But other than that, there's not any real fees included. Yeah, in fact, um, maybe we could kind of run through. We've done it before, but just because there's some newer stuff that we've been hip to. Um, you know, if you want to get your stuff on the web for people to look at, uh, there's a couple ways you could go. I think uh, the the free stuff would include things like if you want to do um, WordPress, you can sign up for a free account there. That's more of a blog, but you could turn it into a photo blog. Uh, you can do mm-hmm. galleries and WordPress, things like that. I think Tumblr is really leading the pack as far as ease of use. And, yeah, it's really on the rise again. Oh, man. Tumblr's just, I mean, you get an account and you go, I mean, it just couldn't be easier to deal with. The WordPress is really cool. WordPress um, allows you more customization, especially if you, okay, there's two WordPress websites. There's WordPress.com and then there's .org. The .com is where you can go get a free account. They'll host it and all that. If you go to .org, uh, WordPress is open source, so you can download the latest version of WordPress. You can customize it, and it lives on your own server. But and you have a lot of uh, you know options as far as customizing it goes. But the biggest problem that you're going to have is that you have more options. <laughs> you know, Tumblr is pretty much right out of the box. You don't download or customize or anything. You can do your own templates and look and feel and things like that. But uh, right. WordPress, if you really are a control freak, WordPress is a really nice option on that. Uh, Flickr, you can do a free account, and it has some limitations on it. Um, Up so you to 200 do, photos. Yeah, and then if you go over 200, this is what I, I think is so awesome about Flickr. It keeps your photos. It just doesn't display them. So if you ponied up and bought the pro account, they reappear. They don't throw you're, anything Right, out. your thousands of photos instantly reappear. That was kind of cool when I, whenever I did that. I thought, oh, well, I'm going to re-up, re-upload all these photos. But no, they were still there. They I can't just think of many other I- social services that, that keep your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah, that's, pretty, that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, two others that I wanted to mention. One is called sure. Verb.com, which is V-I-R-B, uh, which is something that's kind of new. They used to do more of a social networking thing, and now they've turned it into building custom websites, and it's 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 uh, pretty inexpensive. Yeah, I saw uh, that the other day. They've They've completely overhauled what they were doing, haven't they? Right, they didn't like the direction they were going, and and they didn't really feel like they could compete with with Twitter and Facebook and all these other yeah. um, Tumblr and things. So they just went a different direction and said, "Well, we we, we already had these great looking this great looking site built, and we can build more like that." So they give you customized options. You pay ten dollars a month or whatever the fee is. It's not you know not very much, and you have a a really nice looking site that they'll host and everything. So that's a great way to go. Design Taxi. Is is another one that that I currently use besides my own site because it networks with a 
another part of their a company called Creative Finder. So it's, it's a really nice, clean-looking site. It's kind of an all-on-one-page site. You click on the photos, and they come up large, and you can kind of scroll through them. You have a little bio and clientele and awards and things like that that you can, you can post on there or whatever. It has a link to your main website. But um, it's also linked into this Creative Finder. So if somebody goes onto the Creative Finder and types in, uh, I need a photo- architectural photographer in Dallas, I'm going to pop up. And it would do that with where, you know, whatever you do. In yeah, that's kind of cool. There's, a, there's kind of a whole category of, of kind of there's a little bit of social media involved but it's 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 kind of somewhere between having a, a, a you know kind of quarantined off portfolio and using social media because because design taxi like you're talking about there's also the cargo collective uh-huh. which and they're they're pretty inexpensive and they do kind of hook you into a network which uh depending i'm not as familiar with design taxi but uh but cargo collective I mean, if it's pretty subtle. There's a little button, and if you click that on the icon, it takes you to this directory of people. And you may or may not want to be in a directory. It depends. But um, right. I mean, my kind of attitude towards a lot of social media stuff is just just try to be everywhere. I mean, it doesn't hurt. Right. Yeah. Most yeah. Of it's if you're free. on the inter- yeah, if you're on the internet, why not be on on a directory? Especially sure. if you're looking for work, or even if you're not looking for work, even if you're just looking to socialize or get feedback. It's you want good. people to see your stuff. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a lot of different ways you can go, uh, but yeah. So, but some of these new ones, um, the one advice that I would give, um, I'm going to go ahead and say this in the show. Uh, my sister is a designer. In fact, that's how I know Wade. Uh, they used to work together. And uh, I, w- if you're going to go with with something that's pre built, I would definitely go with something that other people have heard of. <laughs> And right. I don't know if you knew the story with Sarah's deal or not, but she uh, she had basically gone through a service called the Designer's Toolbox, and it was appropriately named because it was a bunch of tools running the thing. And basically, <laughs> they went out of business. But the problem was, and this is a problem just in general with people who become web tycoons, is you know they made it real easy for her up front. They registered her domain name for her, and they gave her space. Well, they gave her no notice when they were done. I mean, they just put every, every site went offline. See ya. And yeah, exactly. And we did get the domain pointed somewhere else. She went and got an account with Squarespace, which is another paid service that you can use. And then when they went kaput, the domain name expired and we couldn't get it back. I mean, this is after Man. I mean, we didn't start then. We started when they still had it and it's like we need to transfer the domain. We need to transfer the domain. They never did it. And uh yeah, and so anyway, so her of course she had sent out a bunch of resumes at the time and they all had the URL in it and she had to call people. I mean, it wasn't a big deal. I you said, used to change everything though. I mean, all the business cards you've ordered, all oh, the yeah. letter any 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 anywhere your website is, that all has to change now that if your URL has to change. Well, we're trying to get it back still and then the, here's the problem with with and in fact, I think this is probably good to talk about since we're on the subject. Um Custom domain names. So if you want to get, like I have tedforbes.com or Wade has wadegriffith.net. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to get your own URL, you would go through a service like GoDaddy or Register or Network Solutions or something like that. And you don't own the domain name. You lease it. And you can lease it, I think, anywhere between one year up to ten years, and you can get a price break if you're going to take it that long. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, you lease this domain name, and if somebody else wants the domain name, they can purchase it from you, and you can transfer it if if that's the case. And so in this case, they had purchased her domain out of convenience, and we were trying to get it transferred. Well, what happened is they never transfer it. The domain expires, and then it's stuck in no man's land. And this is very annoying because what you have to do is – 
there's some services that will try to get the domain back for you if there's any competition over it. So basically, uh, you pay like 20 bucks to Google, and their server will start pinging the thing as soon as the domain comes available. But the problem is, is different registrars have different time lengths on things. And so I don't know who they went through on this. But basically, it's like, okay, it expired. We'll give them another month to renew it and, and in the meantime it's hooked up to nothing which is a real drag and yeah. then after that maybe it'll be released but nobody knows when anyway it's the biggest pain so the moral of this story is just go get your own domain name and make sure yeah. you do that yourself don't have somebody register that for you that's right. the worst. If, if you think you're going to be using it for a while go ahead and get get it for two or four years or something absolutely but um, do not have somebody else them. register it for you you, you right. need to go through either register.com network solutions GoDaddy. there's a host of others and but, that's uh, super easy you just go to one of these things and you type yeah. in the name that you want. Like my last one is, uh, or my current one is WadeGriffithPhotography.com. I typed in WadeGriffithPhotography and then WadeGriffithPhotography.com, .net, .org. Yeah, dot it gives you all the options. Dot, so I went with .com, of course, because that's the you know uh, the main one. And um, I went ahead and did it, I think, for two or four years because I know that I'm going to be Wade Griffith Photography for, for some time. So I don't want that to you know go off the market and somebody else buy it up or anything like that. Well, and they're us. not expensive. I mean – you might no. as well just pay the money, and, and it's a tax deduction. It's a business expense in your case. So Right. You know. And then when you set up your website with whatever else, like another place I want to mention that I've really liked for a long time is Live Books. It's very professional. Uh, it used to not be affordable for someone like me. It used to be about $3,000 to get started, and so only the, the really big-time pro guys who already had a lot of money could have a Live Books site, um, and it would be totally customized to what they wanted to do. Nowadays, they have about... 50 options or whatever that you can choose from design-wise. Uh, you can pick one, then they can place your personal logo in it, uh, and that was customized enough for me, and then it's very affordable every month, though. You know, right. I only pay like $25 a month or something, and uh, there was some kind of down payment. But anyway, that was an affordable website for me now, and something that looks really professional. You can add uh, Vimeo videos to, to it. Uh, you, you can add presentations to it, um, music, whatever you want to do. So it's, it, it's very cool, but it's very affordable. It's, it's hosted, and, isn't it? And it's hosted, but I already had my URL, like you said. And yeah. so I just they said, well, Wade, what's your URL? And I gave them the wadegriffithphotography.com, and then we went from there. Yeah, um, and also that, that's worth clarifying, too, that you can if you get a custom domain name, you can point it anywhere. So you can point it to your Flickr page if you want. Right. Uh, you do need some, some help if you don't know how to do that. You have to create what's called a record. Uh, but you can point it to your Tumblr account. You can point it to Flickr. You can point it anywhere you want. I mean, you can only right. point it one place. But uh, So any of these services, I, that's why I think it's important to, even if you don't have a website and you're not planning on it anytime soon, go ahead and just get your domain name. I mean, it, it's just easier. Mm-hmm. Um, when I used to work with a lot of illustrators, um, Somebody. This is back when domain squatting was a bigger deal. It still is. But um, I had several clients who I had called on cold when I first started working and said, "Hey, you know, I'm building websites. Are you interested?" And they said, "No." And I said, "Well, hey, let me give you some advice. Get your domain name." And I don't know if they thought I was trying to just be a sales guy or what. But uh, two of them had lost their domains, and somebody basically just went through the directory, knowing mm-hmm. that a lot of people would be wanting to, you know. And then, of course, you, you know, Brad Holland was one of them. And when he called this guy. Oh, you should see the emails we got back. But they were trying to sell it back to him is what the deal was. Right, for a lot more than it would have been. Because that's their full-time job is to look for what people are trying to buy out there, buy it up before them, and then negotiate it for a much higher price. Yeah, and then they wanted like 2500 bucks to get the domain name back. It right. was a joke, and then of course, once you get it back, you can you know, then you've got it, and you just pay the annual fee on it to the registrar. Yeah. But 
Anyway, well, that's more of this story. Just I mean, get it. Right. Just get it. Just do it. Point it to your Facebook page if you're not using it for anything else. But but just get it. You know. Yeah. Um. So cool. Do you you so, don't have the the .dot net and the .dot org though? Um. You know, I may have gone ahead and and bought those as well, but not used them. You didn't want I, to be a nonprofit. Well, you know, sometimes you can buy all of them, and then um, which is sometimes good, depending on on how much you have to spend and and how much you kind of want to, you know, not have anybody near your name uh, or with yeah. their URL. But even if somebody goes to dot wadegriffithphotography dot org or wadegriffithphotography dot net, uh, I don't know if I have this set up. I can't remember, but it'll just lead to your wadegriffithphotography dot com. Yeah, it'll all link to the same site. So that's that's good to do sometimes too if you just kind of want to secure everything. It's more money. But um, it's good so that there's not any confusion if somebody has your same name out there. I know I have a friend, Bill Miles, and uh, who's here in town. And uh, one of his sites, I think, is Bill Miles Photography. But there's another Bill Miles that lives up north somewhere. Mm. And <laughs> they get, since their web names and websites uh, or URLs are, are close, they, uh, they, they get each other's business That's calls. funny. Some, or yeah, or you know, emails and stuff sometimes. So that that can end up being a problem. Well, it's usually uh, the biggest problem if you don't get the .dot com. Like if you can't get the .dot com, but the .dot net's available, right. you do it if you want. But I mean, usually you tell people .dot net and they type in .dot com because that's what they're used to, you know. Uh-huh. So I don't know. It's uh, yeah. But yeah, get your, get yep. your domain. Yeah. That would do be. It. But since uh, yeah, since I guess we're talking about like you know web services. I mean, I guess the the theme that we kind of had in mind for today was just more on getting your work out there. Uh, somebody had asked us a question uh, saying that we we talk about fine art a lot mm-hmm. and uh, defining what that means. And generally, you know, I think there's more or less three classifications of, of being a photographer. You can be an amateur photographer and you just shoot for the fun of it. And uh, sometimes that's where the best photographers, I think, are because they just, you know, they're very passionate about it. Uh, then you have commercial photography, which runs the gamut of a lot of different things. Uh, you could be a freelance architectural photographer. You could be a portrait photographer. You could be a wedding photographer. You can be a police photographer. You can, you know, work in an archive somewhere. Uh, so there's a lot of vocations that come onto the commercial <clears throat> aspect. And then finally, you have this category that we kind of refer to as fine art and that could be anything from you know artists or um, photographers who have work in museums and galleries to people who basically uh, create work to be printed and sold on, on right. that um, the biggest difference <clears throat> you know jokingly is <laughs> it commercial art you determine the price then you do the job and in fine art you do the job then you figure out what it's worth so it's uh, right um, but more or less. But anyway, um, <clears throat> last time when we got cut off and nobody heard us, we were talking about uh, doing... This fell after the 12-minute mark. <laughs> yeah, way after. And we were talking about doing shows. And uh, Wade and I, when we were starting out, did shows. And I think whether you're a professional, whether you're amateur or not, I mean, you're creating art. And this is a gift that you have that you can share with others. And I think that you're going to get the best feedback and the most out of things if you try to get your work out there for people to see. No matter how bad you think it is or how good you think it is, I think it mm-hmm. always helps to have that out there. Um, and when Wade and I were both starting out, we um, we kind of got in a collective of people who were trying to do shows here and there. I remember, I remember the first one we did was when we took the class, or was that later? If you can call it a class. Well, yeah, no, I'm we, just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, no, it was good experience. We had a. We had I think a that was about, later, though. We had it? a group about seven or eight people that were meeting at 
the house of a of a photographer who was uh, kind of building a, a studio and a dark room and everything, and he was teaching us um, some some dark room skills and some printing skills and shooting skills. And um, we took how it was about a what, seven or eight week deal or something. It was like all summer because remember we had to miss a few, and then he just kept teaching. And well, don't right. worry, I won't charge you. So it was kind of cool. Yeah, but because it was fun. Because the main thing out of the whole deal is that we were getting together and we were all uh, enthusiasts and we were getting to talk about photography and 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 just kind of show each other uh we were even kind of teaching each other you know getting up and just teaching each other stuff oh, yeah showing each other different kinds of cameras and ways to shoot and light and different kind of things like that so at the end of it we wanted to put together a fun little show and so we asked a local coffee bar called gachet um if they would let us display some work because we'd seen other people's work in there before or whatever and they were cool that was that was fine with them and it, we you know we were going to bring them in business one night or whatever so they they were happy about that and we brought and, them business um we, we yeah. had the biggest opening. It was awesome. It was very cool, and and we learned uh, through that process how to how to print our work, which we had not before. Some people, like Ted, um, did their own printing at home because he, he had the means to do that. Um, and do you want to tell him just a little quick bit about that? Uh, yeah, I think I that did process. half and half on that show. I had some stuff printed. Um, okay. And probably what we ought to do, let, let's, let's talk about the shows, then let's break it down and talk about getting okay, your work yeah, printed. Okay, yeah, that's a good idea. That, so I mean, you, you printed some stuff on. that way. <laughs> I printed most of my stuff online through Adorama Picks, which I usually do, which is uh, out of New York. And um, you can just upload the photos that you want. To, to print to their website, and then you can choose the style of, of paper, whether it be glossy or matte or metallic or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's probably – yeah, well, I was going to wrap up the show thing because that's like a whole subject unto itself that we yeah. could, we could kind of do. But um, but the point is is that we had a group of people that were getting together, and that was a real easy thing to do because it was right. a coffee house. They did shows, so it wasn't like a foreign thing to them, and we yeah. just asked to do it. And uh, Anyway, it was a class, but but we got a lot more out of it. I think from a social aspect of it, even though it's not social media, it was social reality. Totally, I don't. Yeah, none of us really sold any work that night, did we? Or did mm, you? I I didn't sell any at that show. I sold some at some others. Uh, but it was interesting because I think it was during that same summer that we just happened. There was uh, um, Exposure Dallas. Is that what's called? Right. Who this girl Julie in Los Angeles, and they do them in major cities, um, and they travel around and they do these things. And basically, you uh, send some work in, and if you're accepted into the show, I think there were ten photographers in the show, maybe more. Yeah, right. Uh, they did it at a hotel, and it was an it wasn't an auction. Yeah, it was an auction. I, mean, I can't remember anything. Well, yeah, they, there was. Yeah, they had a they had a card on near everyone's work where where people could bid. Yeah, it was a silent auction and a competition. So there was because you won the 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 um, the photographer of the year. I can't. Photographer. <laughs> yeah, it's all about. It was all the show was all about up and coming um, photographers in yeah. each area, and she would skip around from L.A. to Dallas to Miami or whatever, and do these shows in, in in big hotels like the W or whatever. And so it was a pretty snazzy deal, and there were drinks and, and food and all that kind of thing. And uh, we all had work, you know, five or six pieces in there, and um, I ended up uh, winning. I guess there were, I guess she and and a gallery judge and, and somebody else made the decision or whatever. But I, I was lucky enough to to win that show, which was kind of cool because that led to me getting my own gallery show. Yeah, the prize in, was another show. The the prize was yeah, getting your work hung in an, in an actual gallery in town, um, which which was really cool because Dallas doesn't have many, but uh, there was one that that had been here for a long time, and my work got to hang in there for a couple of weeks. But I I got to. Um, 
with with other really, like really great work. Um, but but that was cool because my stuff was on the wall, and I got to have another opening there where people could come, and you know we had cocktails, and I had a musician friend play, and and all that kind of thing again. So, but all of these things were easy to either enter or just be a part of, or. Um, you know, just get the work ready for uh, and just put together. And I think that's what we really wanted to point out is yeah. how easy these things can be if uh, you just take a little bit of time to to uh, to coordinate it. And, and yeah, it's just that. a matter of networking and then just asking. I mean, because the okay, now the show that we did another show in Fort Worth around that same time that you and David put together. Right. And a friend of mine, Dave Kozlowski, and, and I decided to do more of these things like the exposure show that, that we had been a part of before and try to do it locally with groups. And, and we successfully put together a few of those shows and then ran into some different problems with artists can be um, uh, a hard... <laughs> A difficult group of people to deal with so and, and we were doing it all for free and all that kind of thing but whenever we started running into some real problems with some people um we just kind of thought well maybe this is for someone else so it you know some people do that yeah. all the time people for can everybody. be flaky you know people can be flaky and people can be difficult to to deal with and and or whatever but we did have fun the few shows that we put together in well Dallas, and i think it is worth mentioning to people listening to that one of the things that does make make it difficult if you're just having a show where you're not trying to sell work it's just for fun, and everybody right. knows that you're going to run into less problems. I think some of the problems come up when all of a sudden you are trying to sell work, and who is responsible, and who is advertising, and who is you know. And right. I mean, I never had a problem with it because I don't. I mean, if stuff sells great, if it doesn't, I that's not why I'm doing it. But yeah. I I know that there were some people who had issues there. But, well, yeah, um, some people do get very excited about that. Usually, when you go into a show, unless you're already kind of an established name and your work is just amazing um you have a much better chance then of selling your work but if you're just getting started and not that your work's not amazing but maybe a lot of people haven't heard of you or i mean you haven't built a reputation yet or whatever you might not sell as much work you might get lucky and do that there was a d art slam here in dallas not too long ago and the whole thing was is to bring a lot of people i mean it was hundreds and hundreds of people coming in to see the work and 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 the and the theme behind the whole thing was to come and see new artists in dallas area and and try and purchase their work so uh Mm -hmm. we had the work up on the walls we had a lot of work up on the walls uh, our best work and then we had prices and things below the work so it was really driven towards that and it was very easy to purchase things there were people on hand with credit card machines and you could make out a check or whatever so the work did get sold at that but when you're putting something together in a coffee shop or a, a small gallery yourself and it should probably be more just about having fun than really yeah. even selling your work because your expectations in line anyway yeah, yeah yeah and then if you sell something you know you're really you're really happy with that or whatever but like like ted was saying you're really just trying to get your name out there and you're trying to to meet people and it's just a it's a great way to network and and to have fun and to get to meet other artists and to get to have some feedback on on your work well and and for me too and i think this will wind us into like the technical how do you get prints made Uh um but you know there were two reasons for me well three reasons i mean one the social aspect because those were a lot of fun to do and i haven't done any in a while they're time consuming and that's why Uh i haven't done any in a while um but the second reason, yeah, it's to get feedback on your work. And and the third reason is, like, I don't think people print their work enough, uh, particularly people who are on the amateur side of things. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I think of it like this. Okay, like, 
you know, because I have a music background from years ago, it's like, you know, if you have a jazz band and you do a lot of gigs and a lot of improvising, you're playing out all the time. That's one thing. But then when you go into the studio to do a CD and all of a sudden you're taking things that were largely improvised at one point, but you're making a definitive version that's recorded and set in stone, then you start to look at your work a lot differently. And if you've ever been a musician in a recording studio, it can be really nerve wracking if you've never done it before, because it's like, oh, my God, I got to go fix that one little note. And, you know, get it perfect. Well, yeah. Or. Or <laughs> that can lead Close to a lot to. of the insanity too. But I think printing your work is the same thing, and and those shows are a lot of work, but they're really important because coming up with a definitive print. It, first of all, you're going to cull through your stuff, and you're going to realize where the cream is going to need to rise to the top. You know, you don't want to print everything you've got. Some shots just aren't worth it. So you're looking for your best stuff, right? Uh, and there's an expense involved usually, and that's why you want to just do your best stuff. But I think there's a lot you can learn just from doing that and then seeing people's reaction to this work when it's on a wall. Because it, I don't care what anybody says, it always looks different than it does on a screen um, in a very sure. much a better way even. you know. I think so, yeah. But anyway, you were starting to say a minute ago, like, okay, what options do you have if you have a show or you've been invited to be in a show and you want to start printing some stuff? Or even if you're not in a show, you need to print stuff now and then. Right, there's going to be a little bit of expense involved either way. So um, whether you, like, you printed uh, quite a few things at home. Yeah, and, and there's two options on 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 that front Uh, Uh if you have most people probably do not have darkroom set up um but you can print your own work that way the other way is you can just use an inkjet printer and i printed specifically for that show i had the four bethlehem steel shots that were on that back wall over there and i just did those on an inkjet printer here at home Uh, they weren't very big prints it's a 99 dollar canon pixma and of course the ink costs you another 99 dollars anytime you need to refill it but if you go buy nice i'm sorry you went all out on the printer. I went all out. But, <laughs> but you know what? It's workable. I mean, it, yeah, it's, totally. it's the amazing thing. I mean, I went and spent $40 on a package of Hanamul, um, you know, rag paper, but, uh, which yeah, made it really it sing. as much money on the ink as you do on the actual printer. Well, and that's where they get you. You know, <laughs> you end up over time spending quite a bit of money on a quote unquote cheap printer. But, but I think the most important thing, you know, you want to have, you don't have a lot of options on ink on those. I mean, you have to use what the manufacturer recommends. Uh, but paper you do, and get online or go to a photo store and see what your options are. Um, you can get some really nice fine art papers that take inkjet, inkjet printing very well. Yeah. Um, and I, the stuff that I have is uh, – it's not even a matte finish. It's unfinished, the stuff that I really like, the Hanamul. And mm-hmm. it's it's what they call – it's a real heavyweight GSM. It's a heavy-weighted paper, but there's no Almost finish like on it. Almost like a watercolor paper or something. Yeah, it really is, and it just – the prints look just like three-dimensional almost, like they have depth to them. And right. That's what I prefer to use. Uh, you do get some limitations if you want to do it at home because unless you have a really big printer, you're going to have size limitations. So my limitations are at 8.5 by 11. Um, but, you know, and so if you wanted to go for bigger than that, now you had a lot of your work printed uh, by a service bureau. Right, that I don't know that I had yeah. mentioned before, and I've done I've done stuff through them several times because the quality is just uh, super professional. Uh, it's a really quick turnaround, um, and they just give you a lot of. They, you can do it as you can do it very large if you want to. So do you just like uh, go to their website and you can upload JPEGs? Basically, that's right. Or? You can just upload your your photos straight from uh, Flickr or just RGB JPEGs. Just make sure that they're you know as high a resolution as they can be, and then um, several. Different 
different types of paper, and you can experiment with these. Maybe maybe the first time, just send off one print and have it printed on a matte paper, an uncoated, unfinished paper, uh, to see what that looks like on, on a glossy paper, and then maybe like on a metallic paper. Then they have other papers as well that are almost like a pearl type, uh, you know, paper. There's just all kinds of stuff out there for you. Yeah, real smooth what, finish. Yeah, and, and and these are all great papers. It kind of depends on what you're printing as to what kind of paper you want to print it on. Um, sometimes architectural stuff looks really great on a metallic, where floral or botanical stuff might look better on a matte or a soft paper or something. Um, so, so play around with that and figure out what you want to do, and and um, and yeah, and you can go that route as well, which is a really quick turnaround, and it's just a little bit of money, but it's not it's not super expensive. And then you kind of you get into the um, into the kind of matting and framing. I think you know after that. You know, th- this kind of might make a really cool video podcast. Maybe I could get you on to do that where we could, like, show people some of the differences in these things. Yeah, that, we could kind of go through the process of it. Yeah, because there, there really is a whole process. There, there's another local company here in Dallas called BWC, and they're online, so you could use them from anywhere. Um, and they've got uh, – they're kind of – a step up in options, at least. I mean, Adorama does great stuff, too. But uh, right. BWC has some different... Like, they do a true black and white print, which is really cool. Um, which And I'm going to be talking out of my butt just a little bit here. And I've even had a week to go look this up and find out. And I didn't. <laughs> but I believe what they're doing is you give them a digital file. And rather than using a darkroom enlarger, it's like a projector. And it projects onto the, the uh, traditional black and white paper. And then they'll use chemistry and all that. So if you like that look... Right. Um, you know that can be a really cool way to go. Well, we talked about a little bit about paper options, and there's a zillion different options. There's types of paper, and then there's the main varieties of paper, like you were saying a second ago. Like you have glossy, uh, matte, pearl, unfinished, etc. And then there's mounting, and I think you know you need to decide whether you're going to frame your work or you can also just mount your work. Um, there's a difference. Are you framing these days, or are you just doing? Gable I've always mount? done. I've always done framing, but it, I've always uh, since my last show, I saw a lot of people mounting, um, and I liked that a lot better. I liked the the borderless photo. Um, they were blowing stuff up really large, and then they were even having the front of it maybe even coated. Um, so that you know you couldn't touch the print and ruin it, and and they were mounting either on like metal or on some kind of uh, thick um, board of some kind. And uh, I, there was one girl in particular, and she was doing pictures of of birds on uh, power lines, and she was printing it at, on actual metal. So this this is done at like a bureau like I, I know you're talking about yeah gigantic color this these were amazing prints and this is something I'd love to experiment with in the future but she was printing you can print on actual materials now like wood uh, uh, like metal like any kind of thick material you can print directly so she was printing on very thin metal and then she was having that glued onto like wood and and then mount you know just h- hanging that on the wall and it was absolutely cool and amazing yeah they looking. are stunning. And so I'd love to do some prints like that on the future, whether it was on metal or, or another material. The easiest and, way to go if you're if you're on paper and you just need it mounted on some. Of course, uh-huh. here's the deal: is if you do a frame, it's the easiest thing to hang. So you've got to figure out some hanging logistics if you're going to just mount to just straight up board. Uh, right. But there's what they call gator board, which is kind of like a foam core looking thing. It's pretty yes. thick. And if you're going to do that, I would get uh, the service bureau you're working with or the printer. So if you're doing it through Adorama. Or BWC, get them to mount it. That is a pain in the butt if you've ever you done it yourself. You don't want to mess with that. Yeah. No. And not, they will it's get not going to look nearly as good as what they can do. Well, they use machines, and you're yeah. going to be with an X-Acto knife and some glue. So, yeah. 
I, I <laughs> yours is going to look like a jacked up <laughs> junior high project. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, it, the only other thing I would say about this, I mean, we're talking about just doing this for shows. If you're real serious about selling your work or getting it into galleries one day, um, I wouldn't obsess about this if you don't already know it. Or it means you're kind of just starting out. But uh, there is an archival aspect to prints. And mm-hmm. I don't. I would imagine metal's pretty good, but it depends on the emulsion and some other factors too. Uh, but this is why galleries tend to like to deal not only specifically with traditional black and white uh, in larger process, but also using fiber-based paper, which is a pain to work with, but it does have archival quality in the last fifty, hundred years, etc. Right. Um, and so, a lot of times, if you're selling stuff, that does become a selling point with galleries. Is if it's non-archival, and in five years' time, it's going to be falling apart or fading. Right, the two big factors there um, are the paper and the glass, which is why when you're buying stuff uh, that you're wanting to maybe sell for a lot of money, uh, you're maybe wanting to, 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 to frame it because you're wanting to put it behind a glass. Yeah, or UV glass maybe it's not a traditional like frame. Maybe it's like clips around you know the glass or something that holds it on there. But anyway, the glass is like an archival type uh, long-term protection uh, uh, you know, that will protect that print uh, for 100 years or something. And then you have the paper itself. So so um, sun and, and, and just time won't take a, a really harsh, quick effect on, on, on your print. Yeah, and that is a big deal. Um, yeah. Yeah, in fact, I read something recently. There's a photographer, and I'm blanking out on his name. I'll have to go look it up because he's exceptionally good. Um, but anyway, he's out of – I'll look him up. Is this guy in Florida, though. And uh, he, he does, like, these beautiful landscapes. And uh, – he does gigantic prints in his own dark room. I mean, I'm talking like, you know, 20 feet by 40 feet. I mean, that mm-hmm. big. And I mentioned a minute ago, when you're, when you're working with chemical darkroom process, uh, one of the problems that you have with, with fiber-based paper is you have curling issues, and it's real tough to deal with, and it, it's a heavy paper, so it, it acts differently in the chemicals. And then there's, um, there's just uh, resin-coated paper, which is a lot easier to deal with. The resin-coated that he was using was not archival, and, I mean, it just about cost him his business when people were calling him saying, oh, I paid no. three grand for this print. What have you done? You know, And it wasn't working out. But, yeah, that uh, can be really bad. When, yes. when people are when people are buying your work, yeah, it can be very bad. And I, I'm, I'll mention his name not to single him out, but uh, but to check out his work. It's really really pretty stuff. And Clyde Butcher is his name. And that's what happened to his business. Clyde Butcher. He is old school. Big old beard. <laughs> lives in the forest. And uh, and name Butcher. Name Butcher makes these. You may just want to go pay a visit to him. <laughs> just well. well Visit to the butcher in the in the woods. He's a big, huge, bearded man. His website uh, says he's open uh, seven days a week. So, oh, I just... bet he is for the kill. <laughs> <laughs> you're just kidding, butcher Clyde. No, Clyde stuff is just it, it's it's stunningly beautiful. I mean, he does these landscapes, and they're just spot on awesome. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he he he'd be the first to tell you um, with uh, picking the wrong paper and then selling stuff at high prices is not a good combination. Um, yeah, the one thing that you were mentioning about the Gator Board that is a great way to go if you're on a on a tight budget and mm-hmm. it still looks awesome. One of my last shows that I did, um, I went that route because I had about 
10 uh, or 12 pieces or something like that, and it was a very quick turnaround, and I really wasn't a part of the show. I was on display because I was the winner of the show last year, so I didn't want to spend a lot of money there. Um, so what we did was I got these nice prints from AdoramaPicks.com, and um, there, there's something like this no matter where you live in the world where you can send it off uh, and, and get some great prints somewhere, so you can research that. But once I got the prints back, I, I took those to a local place where they mounted them on Gator board, which is this thick board that, that Ted was talking about. And um, then I just put Velcro. These are the, the Gator board is light and the paper is light. So you can actually just apply Velcro to the back of, of the Gator board and Velcro to the wall. Um, and, and, and then put just hang it on the wall that way. Yeah, and that super works. Light. And then when you uh, want to take it down, there's no hanging involved. You just pull the, the piece off and take the Velcro off and that's it. You're done. Yeah, and so one that, of the, one thing I'll mention on those lines too is I would use what uh, there's a, a tape that's made called Gaffer's tape. They use it uh-huh. in video production a lot. And the problem is, is if you just use regular tape and or if you just use the sticky stuff on the back of the Velcro and you put it on like a white wall, it right. could pull paint up when you're when you're done. But right. what I would do is the Gaffer tape specifically is designed not to leave or it's designed to be able to pull it up. So put the Gaffer tape down, put the Velcro on top of that, and then you're good to go. Yeah, as a photographer, you want to use gaffer's tape across the board on everything all yeah. the time. I'm constantly uh, putting stuff on walls or just like you know props or paper or whatever when I'm shooting. It's always gaffer's tape. You're right about that. In this particular case, they had a board for me that was uh, standalone, stood up against the wall, and oh, so I was able cool. to use the Velcro. But I have used Velcro <laughs> in my <laughs> bedroom before for decoration, and when I left that house to move to another house it tore the paint off the wall when i removed the velcro so yeah very good point there the Use wife cap- likes that too i bet oh yeah like oh the whole wall was torn up because i had a bunch of pieces up there so that looked pretty bad and we were like <laughs> dude you're like, serious here let's just get out before the before the guy comes and checks it out <laughs> you're being serious but you're passionate you're you're in there tearing it up man <laughs> got to do what you got to do yeah and then the other way is framing and you can order your prints it's usually very expensive to have your prints framed for you you can go yes. that route if you have a lot of money but if you're an artist you probably don't so uh the, the, you can go to your local store uh, what what is the one that we use here in town well, a lot? aaron brothers is the aaron one. brothers yeah. is a great one here in in dallas and in the u.s that we use a lot which has a, a wide variety of frames the size of the frame the thickness of the frame yeah they'll All do two the, things they'll custom frame and then they have pre-made frames and i think that's, that's what right. we're talking about and if you catch them at the right time like I think twice a year they have like a two-for-one sale. So you buy one frame, you get a second one for a penny is what they, they charge. Yeah. Um, so that's a really good way to go. There's a, there's a couple others. Um, I've got some links I can put on too. If you're going to be buying a lot of them, it, like Wade said, it gets really expensive. And there are places where you can order them in bulk. Uh, framing, here we go. I'm going through the delicious links here. and uh, Even Aaron Brothers... Um, will have like usually some frames on sale, whether they're like in that garage sale or yard sale type area where they're yeah. all bolted together. Yeah, I've, I've bought a lot like that before. Or there's just like the frames that are uh, kind of less expensive this month. So if you buy four, you know, they're, they're four for $100 or something like that or whatever. So that can, that can be a great deal in itself. And then you want to order your prints to not some weird size because then you're going to have to have custom frames and that's going to be very expensive. So you order them to a, 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 a size like 11 by 14 or, or whatever that that frames are are, are built for mm-hmm. um and and that'll save you a lot of money if you're if you're if you're prints in your frame the frames that you can just buy off the shelf uh 
you know, match. Um, yeah, the, the, the two that I found, there's AmericanFrame.com and then there's Documents.com. Both okay. do bulk custom frames. Yeah, and like Wade was saying, there's there's two issues you have. You have the, well, you have your image size, and usually what you want is a piece of matte board, and that sits inside the frame. And so the frame, like for instance, if you print an 8x10, you probably want an 11 by 14 frame to put that 8 by 10 mm-hmm. So that way you have that border of matte around the, the frame, which... When you butt the frame up next to the edge, it doesn't stand out as much, and it's a real nicer look the more white space you can get between the frame edge and your photo. The other thing that, that I've, I'm kind of a, kind of go leaning towards more these days is like the traditional uh, frame style for, for photography is just to use these you know, black wood frames. Um, and there's nothing wrong yeah. with that. It's very simple. But uh, one thing I've noticed at the museum I work for and then other museums are doing now are natural maple frames, which really uh, you use a white wall on a white mat. They kind of disappear more, and they bring more focus onto the work, and they're very elegant. Um, and and what are they? Are they like a to, natural wood color? Yeah, it's like an, uh, they use a maple, which is a real light wood. Right. Uh, there's other woods they make them out of too. But, uh, yeah, and then you just use the natural wood color on the frame. But I prefer the lighter side than the darker side. Mm-hmm. I don't want to paint the frame white. I've got some of those too, and they're just kind of weird looking, <clears throat> yeah. kind of Miami Vice looking or something like that. But, <laughs> but it's, it, you might yeah. want to dress in like a white jacket, white pants, and like a pink shirt if you're having that kind of show, which is, that <laughs> yeah. could be cool. It could be I, hit, man, a little blazer. You have like a whole Miami theme going. And that's the other thing <laughs> is that when you're putting this whole thing together, theme is really big. If yeah, all the work is scattered when you're putting together a show, uh, it's, it's not, it's, I, I never see it as cool. When you see a body of work, look at any kind of award-winning like design magazine like CA, Communication Arts, or anything where the photography series wins. It's a series. It's, it's something that a photographer has shot in a certain style of a certain subject, uh, something that congeals somehow in some kind of way. When you're putting on a show, I think it's great to have the same kind of thing. One of my shows that I did before was kind of when I went to the Panhandle uh, west part of Texas was shooting just all these old abandoned diners and uh, restaurants, hotels, whatever, and I kind of put those all in a series together. Um, you've done a series with botanical stuff, and you did another mm-hmm. series um, with that steel mill. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that made you know that made for a better show, I think. Yeah. Yeah, when you have some kind of um, congruent theme that holds right. things together, and it doesn't have, yeah. yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be real tight, but yeah, you're right. Rather than just have a bunch of random photos in there, I think they need to be grouped somehow. Yeah, that that that's usually nice. If you don't have that, well, then of course show your best work. Yeah, yeah. But if you do, if you have shot a series of any kind, um, I would lean that direction and get some feedback from some from some close friends, uh, artists, photo- other photographers on uh, what they think of it truthfully. Yeah. Um, what they think maybe your best work is, or just lay out lay out you know lay out a bunch of work uh, or, or or what you're thinking about maybe but you can't make a decision on and and then have them say what do you think is my best work here pick pick five pieces mm-hmm. or whatever and then have them have them do it that way because yeah, we talked last conversation. time about, about getting um, uh, other people's opinions because it's hard for us sometimes to make our our own decisions on on what is our best work yeah the damn near impossible actually. Yeah, <laughs> for me, I mean. it's good to get second and third opinions, which is why we said that Flickr was a great outlet because you're constantly getting feedback on there right. from people, especially like usually it's not negative. Like I hate this photo. You rarely get that, but um, a lot of times, uh, if all of a sudden you post a picture, uh, you might get you know twenty, thirty comments on it, and with a bunch of likes and people going, "I love this. This is wonderful." And all of a sudden you're like, "Wow!" I mean, I I posted that enough. I you know, I like that enough to post it, but I didn't know that the public really. 
Yeah, you'll see that, like that there's certain photos that get more comments than others. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, you can kind of use that as a good judge. I think the, the, the hardest thing for most people is like, you know, we have our own worldview and we certainly have our own view of our own work. And, and mm-hmm. I do this all the time. A lot of times that I'll shoot something that might mean something to me or reminds me of something or it has some kind of, you know, connection. And you don't really see that in the final, although you see it very clearly. And so sometimes a photo can mean a lot to me and to somebody else. It just And so that's what's nice to get opinions on sometimes is, you know, does that communicate well or not? But, yeah, uh, you know, it's interesting. You were talking about uh, the, doing the theme thing. When we did the Exposure Dallas show, I've done that twice. And mm-hmm. that's one thing I don't like about that show is you send her, like, what, 20 images, and then she starts picking and choosing. And right. I didn't think she was picking stuff that went well together at all. Right. And uh, that was... It's better if you can have a say-so over your own work. Yeah. I mean, it, we're not saying totally blow off your own opinion, but just don't get married to something so intently that you're not willing to ever change it i think that's you know you can go in with a vision but listen to other people and 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 that can be very beneficial i think when you're showing your work in public you want a person it's your work you 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 put the time and and the love and the passion into it you've put all this this work that we're talking about with the printing and the framing and everything else into it it should be it should be what you feel is your best work and um you should hopefully get other people's opinions to confirm that um, but but you want to go in with with confidence and a strong feeling that this is my best work. If you're doing a show where you don't feel that way, um, that's that's probably not good. No, no, I don't think so. But yeah, but it is important to get out and do it. And what I would do is you know jump online, uh, see what what's out there that you could you know join up on, um, like the stuff like Exposure Dallas, um, and then just finding a group of friends. I mean, you could do a solo show at a coffee shop, but it's a lot of work. And so sometimes mm-hmm. it's easier if you can get five or six other photographers who are willing to split that up, and then you then you only have a wall to fill as opposed to an entire space. Right, um, and if you've never done it before, look out on the printing and framing or mounting costs because they do add up. But yeah, yeah but you can do it. Mind. You can do it on the cheap if you have to. So don't let that be a deterrent. Oh yeah, at all. yeah. I'm just and saying then, it's easier to do in a group because then you don't have as much work or as oh, much expense. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it's easy. Yeah, it's great to get a group of, of photographers that, that uh, you really admire their work or you're good friends yes. with. It makes it just makes it more fun than even doing your own show. You can do your own thing if if that's all you have the you know resources to do or whatever. But if you if you can have other friends or other work in the show, that usually draws in a bigger crowd too. You're not just inviting the people you know, but all of these friends are inviting all the people they know. You get a bigger turnout and. Yeah, well, and that was what I was about to say. The the other benefit from that is the more people you have in the show, the more bodies you can have at the opening, which is a big Uh deal. Because I think that Gachet show, we left that up maybe three months or something like that. It was a while. Really? Or maybe not that long. But we left it. It was more than a few days. I know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe about six weeks or something. But anyway, um, but the, we had the opening night after we put the whole thing up. And, yeah, you have ten people involved, and everybody invites a bunch of their friends. And then there's new people that are looking at your work that are not just people you know that are tired of seeing your work, and they're coming because they're being nice. But that, that was really harsh. I don't think they're really doing that. But And it's not hard to organize. We organized it very easily. We yeah. made one phone call to this particular coffee house, and they let us do it. I think you'd be very surprised that wherever you live, um, you wouldn't have to make more than a couple of phone calls before somebody said, sure, yeah, go ahead. Let's, coffee let's houses that. are great. They've got built-in food and drinks. Yeah. And you don't true. have to cater a thing. So Wine bars, too, might be a good place. Yeah. 
Well, you and did then, a wine barn McKinney, didn't you? We did a wine barn back, McKinney, yeah. and that was fun. And that's one other thing to bring up is is uh, that we had a, uh, a challenge there because we had to hang our work with wire because we could not nail or right. uh, apply any of the pieces to the wall in any kind of way. So we had to buy metal wire like you would buy at Home Depot or some kind of store like that. And uh, you had to <laughs> – it was tricky. You had to, like, hang it – hang your work from like a triangle you know you'd hang it up from from the pole or whatever at the at the top of the ceiling and come down and and connect it to the to the two top sides wow. of the frame and try to balance that out and then try to put one frame next to each other you know next to, to the other frame on on the wall it was it was difficult so th- that can be really tricky if and something to look into if you can't you know can can we easily hang our stuff on the wall here or mount yeah, our stuff on in the fact wall. that's something you, you should ask when you're setting up the show too uh right. just so you know ahead of time you know if you call a coffee shop and you say hey how would you like to have a photo show i've got four people in mind we're all going to come you know uh and they say yeah that's fine you schedule a date that was the next thing i'd asked is okay do you have any restrictions on nails in the walls and things like that sure if you are if you're walking into a place and all the walls are brick you might know right off the bat yeah. This might <laughs> you're out of luck well yeah. and that, that's important too to know before the day you hang because if you don't have supplies that you need then uh you could have issues that afternoon trying to finish it in time um because yeah. i kind of remember that was a little bit of the deal with gas i remember there were some of those walls we couldn't hang on I yeah, so say. We, yeah so some people were having to hang at that and kind of scrambling because yeah because you knew how to do the triangles that's what it was you got to know how to do the triangles. You know how to and do And I didn't know how to do that. I had to call up a friend who had been in a lot of shows because people who do these shows a lot, are, run into that a lot and have to deal with wiring a lot. And that, there's usually a committee or something if, you're on a, if, you, if you hang your stuff in a gallery and they all help you do it really professionally. But if not, then you have to learn how to do this yourself. If your work's really lightweight like we talked about before and you print it on uh, some kind of foam core or something like that, um, or gator board, then not only could you use the gaffer's tape, but there's also like this tacky putty stuff mm-hmm. that you can apply to to the back of of your work. That if it's really light, it'll it'll keep it up there even on a brick wall or something like that. Um, you can put it up and take it down very easily, so you can go that route. But it's all easy to learn. You can just learn as you go with with all of this, with the printing, with the framing, with the oh, yeah. how to hang it, with with where to go, with you know. It's just none of us knew how to do any of this, and um, we've done it several times now. Uh, fairly easily so um, if you want to get your, if you feel like you're in a place where you want to get your work you know seen and you can get some friends together and put on a show I would I would definitely suggest doing that it'd be a lot of fun yeah and Google Google everything I mean th- th- yeah. there's a lot of great information on how to frame how to mount how to you know whatever you know that's all we did yeah we would just if we had a question we'd just start you know searching for it online and there'd be every answer in the book with other people who have dealt with the same uh, issues before giving you the answers so yeah we live, in a, we live in a good time. We don't have to send a courier <laughs> on a pigeon across town to some guy with a long white beard who knows the answers. We, we, we a have long to... white beard that's hilarious. I <laughs> love it. The, he, the great wise bearded man. What is the meaning of life? You know. I think his name is Butcher. Yeah, Clyde Butcher. I think that's him. He <laughs> knows is, that paper yes. mistake has given him the meaning of life. You know. <laughs> Uh, uh, I want to get back just real quick. You yeah. hit on fine art real quick, and I know that uh, one of our fans had asked about fine art, and she had kind of, or he or she had kind of said, uh, "Could you discuss fine art a little 
photography just a tiny bit more because we you talk a lot about going pro and this kind of thing and i just um she's she she likes to take fine art photography but she doesn't really know exactly maybe what it is or what other people's opinion of it is um how good it needs to be what you should show what you should have in what you know you have in your portfolio or not do you have any kind of feedback it's a big question uh, it is a big question. and there's really no right or wrong answer i mean if you look at um well, assuming – okay, I'm going to assume, too, that, that by saying fine art that that means he or she wants to do gallery work or sell prints or – Or you know, show it online yeah. or whatever. Now, the whole thing is going to be whatever your thing is is what your thing is. It's different than commercial work where you're um, – uh, asked to photograph something very specific, and uh, you know you can certainly have your own style within that. A lot of very good people do, mm-hmm. um, but you know fine art work can be highly conceptual. It can be abstract. It can be James Kincaid corny landscapes. It could be I mean whatever it is you want to do. <laughs> I'd go for corny landscapes. Corny landscapes is the way to go. If you haven't started yet, the little waterfall. But. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't started yet, but anyway, it, it, there are no limitations on that. It's, it's it's your vision. I mean, I think that you know, if you look at contemporary artists that are, their work is purchased by museums, the conceptual stuff is very popular right now. So it's mm-hmm. usually very strange to look at, but it has some deep conceptual meaning behind it, or you know, whatever. Um, so with fine art, I think it's how you present and sell that vision that is the hard part, and that's the marketing involved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and getting your name out. I mean, the, using the social media, I think, is a huge thing. Um, things like Flickr can be a big deal. I, I, you know, the way it used to be back in the old days is you try to get a rep or an agent just like it was your gallery connection, just like it was for commercial art. And mm-hmm. I'm not convinced that that's the way it's going to stay. Like right now, today, that's the way it still is. I mean, there's galleries that dictate or that museums go to. I mean, they, they dictate what's popular and who's who's who. Right. Um, but I don't think that that's going to stay the same i think the internet is making things much different uh, and really well i can tell you this too the, the all you need all you need to sell work is to be able to sell work you don't need the gallery or the middleman to be able to do that and no. so you have somebody like william wegman who does all these dog photos who i personally cannot stand even though he's a technically a great photographer but he speaks to somebody and somebody's buying that stuff so dog therefore people. he succeeded yeah sure yeah um you know because they're wonderful photographs of dogs but absolutely, if, if that's not yeah. your thing it's not your thing but it does a, it does appeal to a certain type of people who like love dogs thousands of photographs so of the same he's, dog he's uh, become very popular for that well and the dogs dress up as people so they're they're whimsical <laughs> and funny True. Uh, yeah. but you know actually there was a quote um and it was in one of the books that I've read this year. It may have been Gary Vaynerchuk's book, The Crush It Book. And he was saying in there – I probably have that wrong. Maybe it's Seth Godin. But, but technically, like an art, they, they call it the true artist. You can survive and make a living being an artist if you can get 1,000 fans. So if there's 1,000 people that will purchase prints when you put them out once every two or three months, you could make a living. And but the problem is is how do you get that one thousand fans is That's kind of very what it difficult. Is. Right? And I'm not talking about just a fan like somebody's friended you on Twitter. It's somebody who really digs your work, and it's an attainable number, I guess. Is the like point. when you're a fan of a rock ba- of, a, of a band, and yeah, when they put out an and album, buy every you buy CD it. they do. Yeah, that kind of fan. Yeah. You need one thousand of those. You know, easy. I'm. I got to. I'll see you later because I got to get on that. <laughs> Yeah, and it is easier said than done. But uh, again, you got to get your work out there. People need to see it. Um, and and there, there's kind of an older notion. I mean, I think we're kind of into another topic here. 
that we might want to revisit another time. But there's also a notion too that that uh, you know artists in the past have had where they're very controlling of their copyrights on their own work. And I kind of used to be this way too. You don't want to put too much on your website that somebody could steal and print out. And mm-hmm. we know now that that's not probably going to happen. But I think that again, the difference between screen resolution and having a really nice archival print that's framed in your living room. I think it's possible to get people interested in your work by doing that. That's what galleries did in the old days, and now sure. you have the internet and way more voice than galleries ever used to have, and mm-hmm. uh, it's out there. You just got to go claim it. But yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really answer what is fine art. I don't know that you can really. It could be anything. <laughs> well, I think you made a good point though that uh, when we're doing something as a job, uh, like when I'm doing my commercial work, I yeah. really enjoy it. I do my best the best I can. A lot of the work that comes from it, I, I really am proud of and I'll put in my portfolio, which will lead to other jobs, but that's all commercial. Um, when I started in the beginning, I would think of that as more as fine artwork because it's anything that's coming from your heart or um, out of your mind. And it's when you're being experimental um, and you're not afraid to take chances. Um, A lot of times with commercial work, you don't want to take these chances because uh, you're going to be paid. And if you screw it up, uh, you know, then you might not get paid. (laughs) Yeah, they're hiring you to do a specific thing. They're not hiring you to reinvent the wheel or be innovative necessarily. Right. Um, when you're doing fine art, you can you you can you can practice. You can you can mess up. Uh, you you can shoot a little bit of everything. And then I think when you finally, uh, you know, I think you'll just when she's kind of asking, when do you know what's right? When do you? I think that all just has to be you. You just have to be yeah, confident in what, in what you like and what you see and what you feel and what what your eyes uh, like, uh, and go with that. When you feel very passionate about something and you feel like your artwork is great, you're really digging it. And and you should also always be looking at every, what everyone else is doing out there because that's a good way to judge what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, is my work as good or better than, than everything that I'm seeing out there? Um, you know, in, in your mind at least, when you get to that point, it might be worth starting to have some shows or, or, or put it up all over line as a series or whatever. Um, well, I believe, too, that fine art, if you're really doing it from an art for art's sake standpoint, like, you know, mm-hmm. the commerce is fine, but it's not what you're driven by. No. You know, if you're trying to be innovative, that kind of thing. Um, you know, for instance, Ansel Adams is wonderful, and there's a lot of landscape photographers that look yeah. up to Ansel Adams. But if you, you're an Ansel Adams clone, that's all you're ever going to be is an Ansel Adams clone. You've got mm-hmm. to figure out what is possible with landscapes that haven't been done, and you have to take it to that level and whatever that is to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and if other people agree, then fine. Uh, so that's kind of I – think, I, I think fine art requires more of a voice, more of a standout to be successful in it. Um, but that, that, I'm, that was a great, that's a great point. Ansel Adams was really doing all that work for 20, 30 years as fine art work. Sure. He, he had a commercial studio in, uh, in San Francisco or whatever, but where he worked. And, and he and, did and shoot they, commercially and, at one point, yeah. Yeah, and he did shoot commercially at one point because, because of his fame, because people finally started seeing his fine artwork, mm-hmm. which was something that he was doing out of passion. Um, and, and they said, will you shoot this for the White House? Will you shoot this for these museums? Yeah, he did some magazine publications. The, the work is not nearly up to par of what his landscape work is. But, um, but yeah, but that yeah. all came from the beginnings of fine artwork. Yeah, which sure. It led to jobs. He has led to love for, for nature. Yeah. yeah. And going out in nature and shooting, and that led to everything else, which is 
where where it can all start sometimes uh, you doing the work that you want to do people seeing that and then wanting wanting that work or or having you do more of it well um, and it's interesting too i mean you look at ansel adams wasn't the first photographer to shoot landscapes at all in fact he wasn't even the first photographer to be shooting largely uh when i was in london a few weeks ago i went and saw the edward mybridge exhibit mm-hmm. and he's known for doing these kind of um time studies where there's a bunch of pictures taken in succession they show a horse running and things like that uh but they had some of his early work in there too and he had specifically in yosemite done a ton of pre-ansel adams landscapes that were beautiful but what's cool though about ansel is he didn't just clone the stuff that had come before him and regurgitate it he came up with this whole method of doing exposures and stuff so he could kind of add his own touch into it. i mean he got very obsessive about it and it led to a whole school of photography with zone system and things like that mm-hmm. uh, but he but he didn't just repeat um he took it to where he saw it should be or what was po- i don't even think he took it to where he saw it could be i think he was he was chasing the possibility of it and that became who ansel adams was was which is amazing i don't think you can start out and have this vision oh there's a zone system and there are 10 zones and you can no it was push and pull after and, so much time he saw was working yeah he, and, he wasn't and, married to one ideal and he let it happen and, uh, and he was did. very experimental you may not see that in the main work that you if you if you order an angel adams calendar but if you go see his work in a museum or you go see all of his work online yeah. um, you'll see that he experimented with shooting uh so many different kinds of things and subjects in different ways even in nature um you know, from from close up stuff uh, to to these great landscapes like we see, yeah, or whatever, and uh, simply yeah. mind blowing, yeah, yeah. So you can't be afraid to to try different things and mess up. And when something starts to click and work for you and for other, you, you see other people digging it too. But you got to love it. It's got to be about you and what you love and what you're for more than more than anything else, yeah. like you said. So um, that's when you'll know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's just. I think that sums it up with with the whole fine art thing is, is sure we'll, we'll try to answer that in the future again <laughs> yeah really, maybe we'll just do a whole show on on fine artwork and, and go more into that well but. another thing too like if you're curious about it and you just don't know is go find out who people are that are successful as fine artists that are museum level people like thomas strute or uh abelardo morel or people like that um and the big names like ansel adams even and and mm-hmm. go look up and find out who their influences were how they started what they did no two paths are going to be the same and their paths are not going to be applicable to you but but just to get a feel for like being able to leave it open and learn and roll with things and then have innovation come out of that, I think is extremely important. You, you know? have to know your history to be a part of uh, the future, I yeah. think, for sure. And there's whole book. I was just at the book. I'm at the bookstore all the time, even though the same books might be on the shelf, but I'm hoping a new one might be there. Uh, and there was one the other day that was just uh, the, the most famous uh, photographers of all time or the most important photographers of all, of all time or something like that. Oh, was pretty it that 50 that. photographers you need to know or something like that's that it, that's yeah, it that's it's a great cool. book I mean, it was everybody that had become super famous or, or that you have heard of or not heard of um that, that contributed to photography in some great way and and you know since the beginning of photography uh, and, and a lot of them come from a commercial background but a ton of them were, were fine art photographers and so there's you can learn it that way usually on one side of the page there's like a big bio with their photograph with, with a with a bio photo and then um on the other side some of their more famous work yeah or find the link to that book because that that one um because they go through like some of the the uh there's this wonderful french impressionism school of photography with guys like legray and leger and guys like that and, uh-huh. and they're covered in there and they for whatever reason that's kind of overlooked in the popular view of history um even yeah. though those guys are doing such important work and it, it's awesome stuff i don't know why it's not more 
Mainstream yeah, if, if you're if you're passionate about photography, you need to go all the way back to the beginning and learn oh, about sure. where it all came from. Uh, yeah. it's, it's it's so interesting to me, to you, and to, I would think most people out there that are really passionate about photography. And it just gives you such a great reference point of where it all started, and, and it just helps you with where you are now and, and what you want to do in the future. You know, yeah. I think it's it's just good to know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of books, uh, picks of the week this week. Yeah. Um, why don't you start? Uh, I'm not going to do the same pick that, that nobody heard last week because I have <laughs> okay. something I'm well, really they, excited about. Well, they don't about. know the difference. They won't know the difference, and it wasn't a good pick anyway. Um, <laughs> I have a, an interesting pick here. Um, for those listeners who watch the video podcast, I talked about making photograms a couple episodes ago, and we spent a lot of time doing that. And basically, if you haven't seen that, you can go look it up on iTunes, or you can know that a photogram is a real simple darkroom process. Basically, you skip the camera, you skip the negative, you take a sheet of, um, of uh, darkroom paper, and you play. You can place objects on the top. Anyway, you play with light on that paper. So you could like uh, put objects on the top. You could cast shadows on it. Whatever. Then you expose it to light and you develop it. And that's known as a photogram. So it's a cameraless um, picture. Is what it is. Uh, the difficulty um, sometimes. Well, it's not a difficulty, but one of the limitations of photograms is photographic emulsions are always negative when they come out. So when you shoot on film, unless it's slide film, it's going to be a negative. Paper is also negative. So when you put a negative onto a negative, it comes back out positive. So if you're doing photograms, you end up with these big paper negatives is what they are, where light areas are black and dark areas are white. Uh, And then I ordered this a long time ago and never got around to using it until this week. But uh, there's a company called EFKE, or EFKE, E-F-K-E. Uh, it's a European company, and they produce film, paper, stuff like that. They have a positive paper. And so it's a direct positive black and white photographic paper, and it's awesome. Um, I've screwed around with it a little the other night and uh, made some photographs. The other thing you can do with this that's very cool is uh, the size I bought it in is just 4 by 5 So if you have... Uh, you can make a pinhole camera, or if you have a four by five camera with holders, you can actually put these sheets in the camera, take the picture, come back and develop it, and it comes straight out. So it's kind of like unique, one of a kind photo prints that just went straight from the camera lens to the paper. So cool. that's EFCA positive paper. Uh, it comes in lots of different sizes and is not expensive. I remember that's why I ordered it. I think it was like $8 for 25 sheets. And uh, you do have to have. Um, just a couple chemicals in a dark room, uh, developer and fixer, and you got it. I think so. that is a great uh, lead from what we were just talking yeah, about. Yeah, kind of is with uh, with knowing the history of photography. Mm-hmm. Because if you'll go back to to the very beginnings, that was a process that led to uh, the actual photography that we know today. But some of the first processes were guys pouring a bunch of chemicals on a bunch of different materials. Yeah. And laying stuff on them, and then pouring more chemicals on top of that, pulling up, you know, the flower or whatever, and and there was was the the um, the shadow or the or whatever of of the flower, and same kind of process you're kind of talking about now. Yeah, it's just um, making a picture with light is what it is. But, right. Um, yeah, which is like so new to so many people now. Like, wow, that's awesome. Where did yeah. that? Did you think of that? No, that was the very <laughs> photography. <laughs> cool. So that's that's. Pardon me. You smoking again? No, I'm just dying. Usually when we do these shows, you can't see it, but he's got cigars and stuff going. It's, yeah, uh, yeah, the yeah. pipe nonstop. He gets really into it, yeah. Hookah. Okay. <laughs> Hookah. The, oh, uh, my 
picks of the week are um, some Netflix documentaries that I've been watching lately. Or just um, I've been watching a lot of documentaries on uh, photography lately, and, and different artists, and and uh, just trying to get the background on all these people that I that I kind of know through their pictures, but I don't know their personal life. And so it's very cool to to see what that is, and usually very interesting, and to see their their work ethic and their work process. And, um, and, and, you know, once kind of see where, how you can use that in your own process and work life. Um, but I, I have Netflix, so I'm able to rent a lot of different ones. You can probably get these, I don't know, at your library, uh, once Blockbuster goes under, uh, whatever movie stores <laughs> yeah, really. exist, whatever, <laughs> but there will probably be a lot of different ways to buy them. Even just through Amazon, you could probably buy them online instead of rent them. But one is Annie Leibovitz. Uh, who's a, are one of the greatest photographers of our generation. Um, if you don't know who she is, uh, find out very quickly because she's doing some of the greatest uh, work of our time and will go down in history. Um, she also rides the line. She does fine art and commercial work both very successfully. Sure. Uh, she's yeah. really unusually talented. She started out from this documentary and some other things that I've read about her and everything. She started out uh, as a kind of a hippie in San Francisco doing things on her own, but she asked Rolling Stone if she could take some pictures for them. She was already doing a lot of picture taking on her own kind of fine art and just documentary stuff for herself. And she asked Rolling Stone if she could shoot for them. This was way back when Rolling Stone was not the Rolling Stone we know today, of course. Uh, they said yes, and um, she's taken very famous pictures of, of John Lennon and, and uh, she went on the on the road actually with the Rolling Stones, the the band, and uh, had some some challenges with uh, hanging out with a uh, you know with them doing drugs and stuff all the time or whatever. But even that challenge of staying sober <laughs> <laughs> because they were never so. No. But she was trying to blend in with them for a few months, and uh, anyway, this becomes some some work that just started her fame rolling, and she's it's famous all the way through to today. Shooting now for Vanity Fair. And, and Vogue and, and other things. You can check all this out on a documentary uh, DVD called Annie Leibovitz's uh, Life Through a Lens, uh, which is a pretty modern-day uh, documentary on her made just a few years ago. It's yeah, in fact, I'd even say that's required viewing. It, it is really yeah. so well done. Um, yeah, we rarely require things of you. Yeah, but, but this one is required. If you don't watch this... Uh, please don't listen to any more this podcasts. This is a demand of the week. <laughs> a demand of, demand the, of week. the week. Yeah, we, we, we've created, we're creating new things every week. This is a demand of the week. And it's a not gonna, choice. Things are going to get tougher from here on out, so get ready. <laughs> um, <laughs> we soon will be like photography Nazis. That will be the Love name. Love it. Um, okay, the second one was an Ansel Adams uh, documentary that I watched is, and was super entertaining because – um, if all you know is his landscapes, he has a super, super interesting life from early childhood up until his death. And he was one of the few people who um, got to see himself come into fame. Uh, most people have passed away, and then all their artwork and stuff or paintings or, or photography becomes famous. He got to, to see all that fame happen. But his entire life is a very interesting story, and I'm hoping there's going to be some kind of movie made about it lately now that I've seen this documentary. But anyway, it's Ansel Adams. It's made by PBS. It's one of it's a part of their American Experience um, series, which are all super well done. So um, check both of those out, and you'll you'll really enjoy that. That's awesome. Yeah, good stuff. That's that's what's so great about Netflix, man. That they, they they're so well stocked on like documentaries and things like yeah. that. And they a lot were. of the stuff is just you can do streaming like on demand, which is cool. Yeah, I don't. I, I remember looking for those. I 
don't think Annie. I think you had to actually get the physical disc for it. But uh, what's cool is if you do have Netflix um, on your phone or on your iPhone or whatever phone you have, or online. If you choose a certain movie, like one of these documentaries, it's a, a documentary about a photographer. There's a link underneath it that says, "Show me more movies like this." And if you click that link, you're going to get about 20 more movies, and it's going to be all documentaries about photographers. Yeah, that's and some cool so stuff. Just just click, 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 click. Order them. A few. I've I, I've watched some that were pretty boring or bad just poorly done or whatever not interesting i've maybe turned them off or even watched them and thought you know i'm not going to mention that but these two were super well done very interesting very interesting people uh and great viewing so um yeah and then i just want to bring up a few quick things uh before we end the show um we had mentioned last time and we're going to mention it again since that show was scrapped um that we may be in the future opening or starting a new Flickr group for this show. It'll happen. It'll just happen when it happens, when it's time. We've we've let it uh, this show kind of uh, grow with the other Flickr group that was already out there that you had for the art of photography. Mm-hmm. And it, once it gets big enough or whatever that we feel like we need another group, we'll do that. But we, we've heard some of your comments on that. And, oh, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we've just been trying to cross-pollinate just to get the word out about the show. So that's kind of what we've combined. Exactly. So. Um, and then on the on on the Flickr group art of photography that we have now, or on the one that we have in the future, we 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 love it when you guys and Ted is really great about instantly answering a lot of your questions right then and there. Oh yeah, um, yeah. But, but please to, come but in there. Please do ask us questions, uh, and if we don't answer them there, it helps us with topics for the future, uh, like we talked about at the beginning of this show, uh, giving you some answers or coming up with a full topic, or um, just even ideas for the show. If there's something that you would like to know about and you feel like other people might like to know about it and you think it would make for a good show, please let us know what that is because that I think that helps us. Yeah. Definitely so. So, um, and in the future, one thing that we had talked about is that we might we might interview some guests in the near future once we get um, that worked out, where we can do kind of a three way chat deal. Uh, we both have photographer friends that we think would be interesting to you guys, and um, everybody does different kinds of photography, from you know wedding to product to to people to whatever. And so we'd like to get some different voices in here and um, and interview them and see what their process is all about and kind of inspire you in that way. Definitely, definitely. And I know that both you and I have given uh, on our websites and, and here before we've given our Twitter and Facebook links and things like that. And I do get people hitting me up on Facebook from time to time. And I think what I want to tell people is I use Facebook kind of more for um, friends that I already know and and family that I already know because there's a lot of pictures of me in my underwear and stuff running around Dude. town. There. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You're brutal. <laughs> You're brutal. I don't want the whole world to see that. Yeah, so yeah. I don't well, friend you know. on Facebook. That's nothing personal. Twitter is more of my place for the whole world and me to um, become friends. And so I don't you're, know, you're, you prefer the, the Twitter. Way, Ted? What's your take on that? Uh, but, I, I have. I don't use Facebook that much. I will really okay. be honest with you. So I don't care where people want to friend. So you're more of a Twitter guy too. So Twitter yeah. us. Twitter friend us. And. Uh, and 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 partake in all of our twittering. Have you seen? Uh, have you seen the social network yet? No, but I heard it's awesome. It actually is pretty good. I thought it was going to be terrible, and then I read two good reviews. My parents saw it, yeah, and I'm like, I was as soon as I came out of shocked. Um, yeah, I was like, okay, I think we're going to go. So yeah, it actually is very good. Highly recommend. Yeah, it has nothing to do with photography. It, uh, that I know it said it was really good. So actually, I'm, I'm going to say this: it doesn't have much to do with photography directly, but if I mean, it it basically tells the Facebook story about how it became. 
what it is and where the idea came from. But just social minded thinking in general, I think there's a lot anybody can learn from, from uh, what I won't spoil the movie, but when they're, when, when they've, they've come up with Facebook and you know what Facebook is, so I'm not spoiling that, but when they talk about what, set that apart from things that already existed the myspaces that's that's the mind blower so i just go see it um and um take it in it's good stuff yeah cool cool man well that's all for this week and uh thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time